사랑, 사랑해, 사랑해. 무제, 둠세, 피아해. 아, Indian Bollywood films and Korean dramas both have very touching love stories. But what if I told you that in history, way back 2,000 years ago, that actually existed? In fact, it was the first ever recorded interracial marriage in Korea. And wait for it. It was a queen. A queen in Korea who had Indian descent. Indian? Wait, what? Nani? What are you talking about? Indian queen? An Indian Korean queen? Yeah, history's got some random things. G'day everyone, and welcome to the Bamboo History Podcast. Can you believe it? We're at episode 40 now. I honestly can't believe it myself. It's been so long, right? It's been... Since the beginning of the year, we've been posting week after week after week with, a, with only a couple of breaks. And I'm really happy myself that we're up to episode 40. So I thought for the 40th episode, like the 30th episode where we did the Vietnam history special, let's do a Korean history special. And I found this topic literally by chance because I was watching YouTube. And uh, if you don't know, there's a YouTuber called Korean Ani who does a lot of very interesting videos on Korean culture and language. And I discovered this ancient Korean Indian queen by chance. So I thought, why not do an episode about her? This is going to be super interesting, mind you. So yeah, if you haven't checked out Korean Ani, go check her out on YouTube. Uh, she's got some great videos. And just before I dive into this episode, I'm actually recording in my mom's closet. So <laughs> I don't think she knows at the moment, but it's, a, my, it's my first time doing this. So hopefully the audio quality is good. Okay, so who was this queen of ancient Korea who was an Indian person? Well, let's get straight into it. Gimhae, spelt G-I-M-H-A-E, is a city in South Gyeongsang province in South Korea. It's at the very southern tip of the Korean peninsula close to the city of Busan. The city of Gimhae has a tomb, and that tomb belongs to a queen. The name of this queen was Hyo Huang Ok, spelt H-E-O-H-W-A-N-G-O-K. In Chinese, Hyo Huang Ok is known as Xu Huang Yu. And she's also known by a couple of other names, namely the Indian names of Suriratna, S-U-R-I-R-A-T-N-A, and Sembavalam, S-E-M-B-A-V-A-L-A-M. Hyo Huang Ok is famous for being the wife of King Suro, Suro spelt S-U-R-O. King Suro's full name was Kim Suro, K-I-M for Kim. Yes, his surname was Kim, and he was the founding king of the Gaya Confederacy. Gaya is spelt G-A-Y-A. Now, you're probably all wondering, what is the Gaya Confederacy? Well, it was a kingdom made up of multiple different polities, and it existed during the Samguk period, Samguk, S-A-M-G-U-K, and it's known in English as the Korean Three Kingdoms period. The Samguk Three Kingdoms in Korea were Goguryeo, Pakje, and Silla, and the period lasted over 600 years between the years 57 BCE to 668 CE. And I'd like to disclose in advance that some of the terms I'll be using won't be in English and it won't be in Chinese. For example, it'd be in Korean. 
So I'd like to apologise to any of those native speakers if I'm getting the pronunciation wrong. Anyway, the Kingdom of Gaia wasn't included as part of the Three Kingdoms period, but existed during that period of time with those three kingdoms. Gaia wasn't a single unified state or kingdom, rather it consisted of multiple tribes. The largest tribe in the Gaia, which ruled the Gaia Confederacy, was called the Gumwan Gaia. Gumwan spelled G-E-U-N-G-W-A-N. The Gumwan Gaia centred around the present-day city of Gimhe, that city I talked about, which has the tomb of the Queen Hyohwang Ok. Now, let's get to the story, shall we? You're probably all curious, how the bloody heck did an Indian princess go to Korea and become a queen? The story will have to begin with King Suro himself, the husband, who establishes the Gaia Confederacy. How did he establish the Gaia Confederacy? Well, according to the ancient Korean text, Samguk Yusa, S-A-M-G-U-K-Y-U-S-A, once upon a time, the sky sent down a golden box wrapped in red cloth, and inside the box contained six golden eggs. Out of the six golden eggs emerged six chickens, oh, sorry, I meant six boys. And the first one to emerge out of the egg was King Suro. Each of the other boys would become a king in various parts of Korea, but King Suro would choose to become king in the area near where the box had dropped down from the skies and that region was known as the Gaia. So that's how he founded the kingdom. After King Sura became king, he needed to find a partner. His courtiers, which are like advisors or attendants, wanted the king to pick out someone from a group of maidens they brought into the palace. But the king was pretty picky. He was like, I don't really like the ones that you've picked out. You know, you know why? Because they're mortals, they're humans. I am a god. I came from the sky in a golden egg. I need to find a partner who's a god or chosen by god, just like me. So he told his courtiers that, you know what god told me? He said that if you set sail down south from the kingdom to an island called Mangsando, Mangsando, M-A-N-G-S-A-N-D-O, you will find a woman or a girl that can become my wife. This all happened in the year 48 CE. And so when the courtiers heard this, they were like, well, okay, sure. And they sailed into the ocean down south towards Mangsando. I'm going to read a part of the Samguk Yusa for you, which has been translated in English. <clears throat> Begin quote. When they were far out to sea, a ship with a red sail and flying a red flag appeared in the horizon darting toward the north like an arrow. The Kaya sailors waved torches and made signs for the mysterious ship to come near. When it did too, they found that a beautiful princess was on board. End quote. That beautiful princess, surprise, surprise, was Hyo Huang Ok, the main character of our story, and the princess. The courtiers were like, Oh my goodness! The king was right. There is a princess in the middle of nowhere in the ocean. We're going to have to bring her back. So the courtiers of King Suro escorted the princess and her ship back to shore, and then they told the king the good news. The king was absolutely stoked. He was like, see, I told you guys, we found her. She is going to be my wife. 
He was so glad that he found a princess, a beautiful princess, just near an island in the middle of nowhere, and believed she was the one for him. However, when the king invited the princess to join him in his palace, you you know what the princess said? She said no. What? Yeah, she was like, she was playing hard to get. She was like, nah, I'm not coming with you. And the king's attendants and courtiers were like, why not? Why not? He's the king. You're, You're here to marry the king, right? She's like, you're all strangers. I don't know any of you. Think about it. I just come to this random country. I don't know anyone. And all of a sudden, I have to meet the king. And you're saying that I have to marry him? No, 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 no. I need to get to know him first. When King Sura heard about this, he was so impressed by her dignity, her modesty, and her pride that he was like, fine, don't come to my palace, and decided to set up a tent for her near the palace nearby for her to live in. And so every so often, the king would go to the tent and visit the princess, and in doing so would give her a lot of gifts, and over time they got to know each other. While the king gets to know her, we find out a few things about this princess. She's 16 years old. She's from a kingdom called Ayuta, spelt A-Y-U-T-A. And a funny thing I'd like to mention is, at this time, the king is recorded to be only six years old. A six-year-old boy trying to have a crack at a 16-year-old teenager. (laughs) Uh, That's why I love history, because things just happen in history that would probably never happen today. Anyway, so she was 16 years old from a kingdom called Ayuta, and you're probably wondering, what's a 16-year-old girl doing randomly in the middle of nowhere out at sea? Well, turns out that the princess also came on purpose. She explained that her parents, who were kings of the kingdom she was from, had a dream, and in that dream, their god had told them that their daughter had to marry a king called King Suro, who according to god was a holy man. And so the parents were like, Okay, sure. And they sent their daughter all the way to a foreign country that they had never been to and that they had never known before. And King Suro, after hearing all of these things, told her that he was expecting her too. He told her that, you know, I had so much choice. My people brought me hundreds of girls from around the country and some of them were so beautiful. But I said no, because my God also told me that I was to marry you. Oh, so cute, right? They were both destined for each other. And so, eight months after they first met, they finally got married. When the princess finally agreed to get married, they went to the palace, and she brought along with her two courtiers who were also from Ayuta, called Simpo and Cho Kwang, along with their wives as well. Da 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 Ah... This is the first ever recorded interracial marriage in Korean history between King Suro and Princess Hyo Hwang Ok, who became Queen Hyo Hwang Ok, the first queen of Indian descent in Korea. After they got married, they lived happily ever after and had 12 children. In the year 189 CE, Queen Hyo Hwang Ok died at the age 157. And then 10 years later, King Suro died in 199 CE at the age of 158. So yeah, that was the story as described in the Samguk Yusa. The main source of the story of Queen Hyo Hwang Ok comes from the Samguk Yusa, which quotes the Garak Gukki, 
where the story of the queen comes from. Unfortunately, the text, the Garak Gukki, has been lost in time, and we can only base this story with what we've read in the Samguk Yusa. What I find interesting is there's actually no mention of the queen's life in Korea after she gets married, so we don't really know what she was like as a person, things that she did in Korea, and I mean, and how she felt. I mean, she could have been discriminated because she was brown. But what I think, this is my opinion, is that she was probably a very good queen, and King Suro loved her very much. I mean, how else did they stay married to each other for such a long time? If you were a bad queen, you'd probably get kicked out or executed or something very early. The fact that she had so much dignity as well, in terms of how she had to get King Suro to court her, instead of just marrying him straight away, shows that she was probably very mature and level-headed as well. And that's what I think made her a really good queen for Korea, or specifically the Gaia Confederacy. So I keep talking about how she's Indian, of Indian descent. How do we know that? How do we know that Queen Hyo Hwang Ok is from India? Now, as we mentioned earlier, Hwang Ok is from the Ayuta Kingdom, but it doesn't really tell us the Samguk Yusa where exactly the Ayuta Kingdom is. So where is it? The biggest claim of where it is, is that based on the phonetic similarities of Ayuta, the first place where we think the Ayuta Kingdom is based is a place called Ayodha, Apologies if I'm not pronouncing that correctly. It's a city in North India in the state of Uttar Pradesh. Ayodha is spelt A-Y-O-D-H-Y-A. And the reason why people think that's where Ayuta is, it's because it's very phonetically similar to Ayuta. They're both phonetically similar and sound very similar. Ayuta, Ayodha. Ayuta, Ayodha. People have also said it might, she might have been from Thailand. Because Ayuta also sounds similar to Ayutthaya, which is spelt A-Y-U-T-T-H-A-Y-A. Ayutthaya was an ancient Thai kingdom. But the main dispute to this is that Ayutthaya was founded in the 1300s, which is more than a thousand years after Queen Hyohwang Ok supposedly existed. But recently, there's been a claim, and I believe this is probably the most plausible one, that the Queen is from India but not from Ayodha, but she's from much further down south, and that she was a Tamil person. She specifically is from a Tamil kingdom called Pandya, spelt P-A-N-D-Y-A. Now, Pandya is an ancient Tamil kingdom that ruled a lot of other vassal states. Now, the Pandya kingdom was an ancient Tamil kingdom, and it had many vassal states. One of these vassal states was a state called A. Spelt A-Y, as in a boys a And people believe that that's supposedly the link to Ayuta. Ayuta, A. Ayuta, A. I mean, the first two letters of the word Ayuta is A. And Queen Hyohwang Ok is a Tamil girl whose name is Sembavalam. Now, the reason why people think she's from the Tamil kingdom of Pandya as opposed to Ayodhya is because the Tamil kingdoms back then in the 1st century and 2nd centuries were actually very good at sea. They had established very good maritime trade links. 
Iota, on the other hand, was a landlocked country, so it was really unlikely that someone like a princess would be able to go all the way to Korea. I mean, she could have just gone by land, not by sea. Another thing that was similar between the two kingdoms of Pandya and Gaya were that both of them used a two-fish symbol that looked very similar to each other. For example, you can find this symbol of two fishes at the gates of King Suro's tomb, Mount Sinhyo's Yunha temple in Gimhae, as well as the stone pagoda at the Hapcheon Yongnam temple. And surprisingly, this two-fish symbol is only found in that part of Korea where the Gaya kingdom once stood. So you can sort of claim that, you know, indeed, there could have been a link between this Tamil kingdom who also used this two-fish symbol with the Gaia kingdom specifically. And what was that link? The queen, obviously. And some other people have said that, you know, Korean and Tamil actually share similar words. Let me give you an example. Elder sister in Korean is Onni. In Tamil, it's Ani. Grass in Korean and Tamil is apparently both Pul. And the word for day in Korean and Tamil is both Nal. Any Korean and Tamil speakers, if I got that wrong, please let me know. However, what I think is the biggest reason why I believe the Tamil Kingdom is probably where Queen Hyohwang Ok is from, as opposed to Ayoda, was that, wait for it, the Ayoda Kingdom existed back in the day when she existed, but it wasn't even called Ayoda. That city where Ayoda is right now, in the first century, was actually called Saketa, S-A-K-E-T-A. So it wasn't even called Ayota back then. So basically, Ayuta, you can't even link the kingdom of Ayuta with Ayota because it wasn't even called that back then. So I think based on the evidence I've given, the Tamil kingdom of Pandya is most likely the place where Queen Hyohwang Ok is from, and specifically from the kingdom of A. Any listeners who are listening to this, let me know what you think. After I've said all of this, you're probably thinking, is this real or made up, this whole story? It's too good to be true, right? Just a random Indian girl who becomes a queen of a Korean kingdom. I obviously think it's fictional, and I'm going to tell you why. The main source of this story, as I've said, is from the Samguk Yusa. The issue with the Samguk Yusa is, it's compiled by a Buddhist monk named Ilion in the 13th century, and it was compiled specifically as a compilation of different stories, folk tales, legends, and myths, which aren't even factual to begin with. Moreover, the Samguk Yusa isn't even the official Korean text for ancient Korea at the time. The official Korean text is a book called the Samguk Sagi, and the Samguk Sagi does not record anything about King Suro or Queen Hyohwang Ok. A common theory that historians have pointed out was that when Ilion compiled the Samguk Yusa, he wanted to create a Buddhist connection between Korea and India, because as a Buddhist himself, he wanted to create that connection between Korea and India. And so, he believed that if he included a story where there was an Indian princess in Korea, that would create that connection. And he wanted that connection because Buddhism originated from India. Another problem why we believe this is made up is that there are no Indian texts that even mention this story about Hyohwang Ok. And there's no mention about a kingdom called Ayuta as well in any Indian historical text. 
we're only solely relying on Korean texts to tell this story. This is not to mention that 1st and 2nd century maritime travel was at its infancy, and it would have been extremely hard from a person to get from India to Korea at the time. I did a quick measurement online from Chennai, a city in India, to Busan, a city in South Korea, and I found out that it's 4,100 nautical miles, which is around 7,600 kilometers or 4,700 miles. That's a long, long distance. I just think it's a bit weird for a princess to be sent out of the blue all the way to Korea just to be married off. Oh yeah, and she lived up to 158 years old. I mean, come on, man. As if that's true. So yeah, in my opinion, the story is fiction. But in the end, I guess, it doesn't really matter if the story is fact or fiction. The story of Hyohwang Ok has been used to promote relations between India and South Korea. In 2001, a memorial stone was erected in the Ram Katha Park in Ayoda, which details Hyohwang Ok's story. The Indian and South Korean governments have further developed plans to expand the memorial park. In the year 2018, the First Lady of South Korea at the time, Kim Jong-suk, visited the memorial to partake in a ceremony to upgrade the memorial, and she did so by laying a foundation stone. They're also going to do works to upgrade this park, so the memorial park will be dedicated to Hyohwang Ok and her husband, King Suro. And there are plans to rename this park from the Ram Katha Park to the Queen Hyohwang Ok Memorial Park. But as of now, that hasn't been finalised yet. So yeah, even though people know it's most likely a story, the Indians and the Koreans of today have clearly used this story as a way to foster better relations, which I think is good news for everyone, to help build better cultural and political and social links with one another. Another thing I'd like to mention is, the Gimhae Kim clan, which are people surnamed Kim who come from the city of Gimhae, claims that they're the descendant of King Suro, whose name was Kim, and his wife was, you know, Hyohwang Ok. Now, in modern times, the Gimhae Kim clan has over 6 million people, and it's one of the largest clans in South Korea. So, if this story was fact, if Queen Hyohwang Ok, Queen Suriratna, or Queen Sembavalam existed, if this was canon, <laughs> then all the Gimhae Kims would have partial Indian ancestry in them. That's pretty cool. If Maybe if you're a Korean from the Gimhae Kim clan, you should do one of those 23andMe DNA tests to see if you've got Indian ancestry in you. Alright, I'm going to wrap up here, but before I go, a quick takeaway of what I thought of this story. Reading this story, I believe history can be manipulated by anyone really, and it's hard for modern people like us to tell if things back in the day existed because we can only rely on the texts that have been given to us, passed down generation by generation. Unless we can time travel, we can only rely on the texts like Samuk Yusa. But I think the more important takeaway is, does it matter? I mean, does it matter if the Queen existed or not? Because clearly the present day Indian and Korean governments don't care either, as do the people. In fact, they're using this story as a way to build better relations with each other. And I think that's the most important thing we should be focusing on. What matters is facilitating these healthy relations between these two countries, India and South Korea, for example, to ensure that we all live together peacefully and engage in positive cultural exchange. I think that's the best thing that's come out of this story. 
and it doesn't really matter if the Queen existed or not. So yeah, that's the end of the story, and the end of a Korean special. I hope you enjoyed the story of the first ever recorded interracial marriage in Korea. It's still a wonder that a queen of Indian descent was able to exist in Korea back in the day. I hope you all enjoyed this episode, and once again I'm so glad I've made it to episode 40. Just a reminder to subscribe to my channel if you haven't already, leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on, and reach out to me with any feedback or topic suggestions. I'll put my details in the description box below. And just a, just a cheeky announcement, this will be my final full-length episode of the year. I'm going to do a little episode next week with just my reflections for the year, what the plans are for the next year, and just a tiny story, just as a wrap-up. Alright now, time to go. I'm going to say goodbye in Korean, Hindi, and Tamil the three modern languages associated with the three ancient locations of Queen Hyohwang-ok. Salga. Namaste. Sandipam. Thank you all listeners for tuning in. Enjoy the rest of your day or evening, and see you all next time on the Bamboo History Podcast. Bye for now.